0: Turn to the uh, book of Haggai now, and uh, just to set the scene a little bit, so that we can understand uh, what this short book is all about. This is one of the last books of the Old Testament. It's written after the people of Judah have returned from captivity in Babylon. If you know your Old Testament history, uh, you'll know that the people of Judah had been taken captive by the king of Babylon. They had refused to follow God. They kept on turning their back on him. And despite God's warnings through many, many prophets, uh, they continued to ignore him. And as a consequence, uh, God raised up King Nebuchadnezzar to come and Uh, destroy essentially the land of Judah and carry away um, the people to captivity in Babylon and they're there for uh, at least 70 years until finally uh, King Cyrus uh, makes a proclamation that the men and the women of Judah can return back to their homeland. Now you'd think that that would be the end of all their problems. Uh, they have escaped from Babylon. They're back home in the land of Israel. They've surely learned their lesson by now. And they will say, we don't ever want to go into captivity again. And they will surely now serve God fervently uh, with a full heart. Unfortunately, things don't quite work out that way, And as the years go on, as a new king becomes king, uh, God has a grievance with his people. Uh, there's a problem. And you can read that in the opening verses. Uh, verse 2 says, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says the time has not come, the time the Lord's house should be built. In the land of Judah, uh, there was the ruined city of Jerusalem and the remains of what was left of the temple, which Solomon had built. And the Israelites returned and they had rebuilt their own houses, but they had left off rebuilding the temple. Uh, Listen to what verse 3 says. says in the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panelled houses and this temple to lie in ruins now therefore thus says the Lord of hosts consider your ways we see that the people of Judah had drifted into a kind of lazy unconcerned apathy there was no temple, it was still in ruins, but they thought, but this is good enough. And we're back in the land. And they had no zeal, no concern to rebuild the temple that was lying in ruins. They had made beautiful houses for themselves. Uh, verse 4 speaks of their panelled houses. They had taken care of their immediate needs, their physical needs, but they had let slip the spiritual requirement to rebuild the house of the Lord. Now we might uh, look down our noses at the people of Judah and say, how can they um, neglect such an important part of their lives? How could they leave The temple in ruins while they even build their own houses. Uh, But the reality is, we can often too be guilty of similar. Uh, We don't have uh, a temple in the way they did. Jesus is our temple. The New Testament makes that very clear. But like them, we can put greater value on our physical needs and our own physical requirements and we can let spiritual things our obligations to God's we can let those slide and let's be really clear here the problem wasn't that the people were living in nice houses as such God wasn't saying to them you should not live in comfort there is nothing wrong with comfort per se. Uh, we'd be foolish to live uncomfortably if we could live comfortably, if there was no reason to suffer discomfort. The problem was they were living in comfort while they neglected to do the more important task, which was rebuilding the temple and reestablishing their relationship with God's the problem isn't living in a palace the problem is living in a palace when God is consigned to a shack the problem is your priorities uh, if you put God in the position where he should be then by all means live in a nice house but don't let your house take the place of God the problem that Haggai, the prophet, is pointing out to the people of Judah is the same problem that we can often have. The problem of getting our priorities out of order and letting God slip down the list and putting other things in his place. I don't know if you've ever heard of Zachary Taylor. If you haven't then you're just like me Uh, I hadn't heard of Zachary Taylor until uh, today. Uh, Zachary Taylor was the 12th president of the United States and he was supposed to become president I understand on the 4th of March 1849 but Zachary Taylor delayed his inauguration until the next day And there's this missing day, I understand, in uh, American politics, where the previous president had gone, but the new president had not yet come. You might wonder, why did he delay his inauguration? What could possibly be more important than becoming the president of the United States? Well, the reason he delayed was because the 4th of March, 1849, was a Sunday, and Zachary Taylor wanted to go to church. Zachary Taylor considered being with God's people and worshipping God as greater importance of greater priority than becoming the President of the United States. God demands first place in our lives. Uh, He's our creator. He's the one who gives us life. Uh, The New Testament says that if we are a believer, then we have been bought with a price. We are not our own. Uh, Time is not given to us merely to fritter it away in whatever way we wish. God gives us time to serve him he wants us to enjoy his creation yes that is part of the way we serve him nevertheless he is to have first priority in our lives and that's what the people of judah had forgotten in this situation they had allowed other things to gain greater priority than god himself they had said in verse 2, the time has not come. The time that the Lord's house should not be built should be built. And they said, Oh, it's not quite the right time yet. Uh, they built their own houses. It was time for that. But there was no time for God. And God points it out. And he sends Haggai the prophet and says, You are doing wrong. Your priorities are out of order. But that's not all he says. Uh, he continues. Haggai continues with his message and he explains that there are unintended consequences to them getting their priorities out of order. Uh, Look at verse 6. We see that there are consequences that the people of Judah never expected. Verse 6 says, You have sown much and bring in little you eat but do not have enough, you drink but you are not filled with drink, you clothe yourselves but no one is warm, and he who earns wages earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Do you hear what God is saying? He's saying, look, your harvests, they're failing. Even though you've been working hard, you've been toiling in the fields, sowing seeds, trying to make as big a harvest as possible, but it's failing. Uh, you have food, but it's not enough. It's barely enough to feed you. And he says you're scraping by. Uh, you are not flourishing. You're merely surviving. He says you're clothed, but you're cold. Uh, you haven't got enough to keep you warm. He says you're earning wages. It's like it's going into a bag of holes. I don't know if you've ever had that experience in life or feeling that way. You're working and you're working and you're working and you're earning and you're earning and you're earning but it just seems to be frittering away through the holes of your bank account. Uh, Somehow your outgoings do not match your incomings. and That's what the people, it's like these people. Uh, They're barely making ends meet. No matter how hard they try, they're not bearing fruit, they're not... Flourishing. Look at verse 9. God says, you looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. God says, you're trying so hard, but all your efforts are coming to nothing. Because I am blowing it away. You think, why? Why would God do such a thing? Why would he not bless their hard work? Well, he gives the answer, verse nine. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold their dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock and on all the labor of your hands God says to the people I'm against you you have relegated me down the list of your priorities and now I too am dropping you down the list of my priorities I am tearing down your work even as you lay before it you don't think you need me you show that you don't think you need me because my temple is in ruins, well let's see how much you need me. And he demonstrates to them how much they need God, even though they do not realize it. And here's the lesson for us uh, often in life, uh, if we fail to put God in first pl- in verse place in our lives. Uh, Do not be surprised if you discover that you lose whatever it is you have replaced God with. Um, God is a jealous God. Uh, In his mercy, he suffers no rivals. Uh, We are designed to live with God in first place. And that's good for us. Uh, We might think, oh, God's just egotistical. He wants everything. Uh, Why should I give God everything? But God knows that is the safest place for us to be. That is the most fruitful place for us to be. With God in first place, everything else falls into place. And you can see this in people's lives. You can see this play out in the lives of different people. When they replace God with something else, all too often they lose that thing which they have put in place of God. Think of a drunkard. A drunkard who has replaced God with drink. Well, What happens in time? They become an alcoholic and they actually lose the enjoyment of the thing which they've replaced God with. Uh, they cease to start they cease to enjoy that drink anymore. It simply becomes a need. They both love and hate it. If you've ever to- uh, spoken to an addict, uh, you'll know that's the case. And the addict will say that on one level they love it and they can't escape it, but on the other hand, they loathe it, and they wish they could escape. They failed to enjoy the thing which they loved so much. Or think of the, the greedy businessman who sells his soul in the pursuit of more and more money. And in the end, he loses the enjoyment of that money. I forget who it was. I think it was, um, was it Rockefeller, some rich man of the past. And uh, he was earning more and more money. And someone asked him, when will it be enough? Uh, When will you have earned enough? And he responded, just a little more. (laughs) Just a little more. And that's the endless treadmill for riches. There's always someone richer than you. There's always someone more wealthy than you. There's always someone with more than you. And those who seek to put riches above God discover in the end that it's a fool's errand. That you lose the joy you thought you would get in money, but tragically, you lose God as well. Or think of the dictator, uh, or even not in the dictator, but the, the manager or the boss who craves more and more power. and they climb higher and higher up the ladder until they discover that it's lonely at the top. And they spend all their time terrified of those below who might take their power from them. And that's the story of almost every dictator in history. They generally spend the end of their life fearful and fretting about the generals beneath them who might take their power from them. Do you see the point? The point is that when we replace God with something else, all too often we lose the very thing that we think we will get instead of God. Now, don't misunderstand me here. I'm not um, giving prosperity teaching here. Uh, The point isn't, if you follow God, God will give you lots of good things. Um, That's not taught in the Bible at all. Uh, If you don't believe me, ask Job. (laughs) Ask Jesus himself. Uh, Just because you follow God does not mean everything in life will go swimmingly. But the point is, that if you replace God with anything, you will end up even losing that thing which you replaced God with. But put God first and you will gain God and much more beside. Jesus said, didn't he? He who seeks to save his life in this world will lose it that he who loses his life for my sake and the gospel, the same will find it. Or as the famous author C.S. Lewis put it, he said, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. To put that another way, give God first priority and you will never regret it. Uh, you may go through temporal suffering. You may go through Um, temporary discomfort, and you may not have the things that other people have in this world, but in eternity, you'll see how it was worth it. Uh, Get God in the right place, and everything else will fall into its right order. That's why God says what he says in verse 7. He says, "'Thus says the Lord of hosts, "'Consider your ways,' Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. Put me in the place I should be and you will have nothing else you need to worry about eternally. That's God's instruction to the people. Let's look lastly at the response of the people. And thankfully, in response, the people listen to God's word. They listen to Haggai's rebuke. Now look at verse 12. It says Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, he was the governor of the people. And Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the women of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) Wonderful response to have. Uh, So often you see people hear God's word and it seems to have no effect in their lives. It does have an effect, but we don't necessarily see it. And they just seem so hard. They seem so uh, oblivious to what God demands of them. But that's not the people of Judah here. They hear God's word and they're cut to the heart. They realize that they have not given God the priority that he deserves, the priority that he should have. And it says they repent. They listen to what God has said through Haggai. And it says they fear the Lord. That doesn't merely mean their knees are knocking and they're terrified of what God will do to them. It means they understand that God's claims on their life should have the priority that they should listen to God first of all and they realize the error of their ways and they humbly acknowledge their sin to God and they listen to what God said and you see the wonderful response in verse 13 Uh, God responds to their repentance And it says, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. I love that verse. That's remarkable. The people at this point haven't done anything except repent. The temple is still in ruins. They haven't picked up a hammer or a chisel yet. The, The temple is in exactly the same position as it was the day previously. But what has changed is the heart of the people. And God sees their heart and he says, I am with you and I will help you to rebuild this temple. Now, you might have thought that God would wait a little while. You'd have thought God might say, well, let's just see if you really build a temple. Uh, let's see until you actually rebuilt my temple and then I'll talk about mercy then we will discuss and negotiate grace but God doesn't do that he sees their repentance and that's enough and he says I'm with you I'm going to help you rebuild the temple that's the grace of God in action and the reason is simple Um, God didn't need the temple um, God isn't like a sort of petty ruler who wants a nice house to live in and he's pouting because he hasn't got one. God doesn't need a temple. Uh, he says this uh, throughout the Old Testament. He says, I live in heaven. Uh, I, the whole universe isn't big enough to contain me. Uh, God doesn't need a little house of brick and mortar. What God wanted was their hearts. He wanted their hearts in the right place. So he didn't need to wait for the temple to be built. He could see that they were in the place where he wanted them. And it's the same for us. Uh, Many of us have messed up our lives in many different ways. And our instinctive reaction is, until I have cleaned up my life, Until I have fixed what is broken, then God will not accept me. That's not what the Bible says. What the Bible says is that what God wants from us is the acknowledgement that we have messed up, that we haven't done what we should, that we haven't given him the priority he should have, and simply humbly acknowledge that to him and repent. And just like he said to the people, I am with you, God says the same to us. If we do that, if we acknowledge our sin, if we say to God, please fix what I have broken, then he says, I am with you. Do you know how I know that? Do you remember the thief on the cross? Uh, The thief who repented. Uh, There were two thieves crucified with Jesus, and they both ridiculed Jesus at the beginning. You'd have thought they'd have better things to be thinking about while they were on the cross, but as it was, they ridiculed Jesus and they... Um, laughed at him even from the cross and they said uh, if you can save yourself save yourself and save us as well but one of them had a change of heart one of them the holy spirit worked wonderfully within and he stopped ridiculing christ we don't know what it was perhaps it was the sign on top of the cross which said this is jesus king of the jews Perhaps it was Jesus saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. But whatever it was, that thief had his heart changed. And instead of ridiculing Christ, he said to Christ, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He said, we deserve to be here. I deserve to be on this cross. He said to Christ, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And there was nothing he could do. Uh, He couldn't get baptised, he was on a cross. Uh, He couldn't go to church, he was on a cross. Uh, There was nothing religious that he could do to save himself. He couldn't fix all the problems that he had caused. He couldn't right all the wrongs he had done. All he could do was acknowledge his sin to Christ and say, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what did Jesus say to him? That today, you will be with me in paradise. That's what faith is, that's what God desires in us. Now, of course, that faith then shows itself in works later. Uh, if that thief had somehow, by some miracle, survived the cross, I'm sure he would have become. A fruitful member in some church and would have demonstrated his faith in lots of different ways. But that's not what saved him. What saved him was his simple faith and trust in Christ. And so it was with these men and women of Judah. They acknowledged their sin to God, they acknowledged how they had neglected and rejected Him. And when they did that, when they humbly bowed to Him, God said, I'm with you and I will help you to rebuild the temple. So I hope that is an encouragement to us this evening. Uh, I don't know in what ways perhaps you haven't been giving God the priority he deserves in your life. Uh, That's for you to consider between you and God. But take heart, if you haven't been listening to God, if you've been dropping him down the list of your priorities God's waiting, ready for your repentance. All he wants to hear is your acknowledgement of where you have gone wrong and he promises to help you come back. If only you will come back to him. That's the beauty of God's grace and we'll see more next week, God willing, how that plays out in the life of the people of Judah. Um, But we're going to close now by singing our final hymn. Now, uh, Oh, this, is, this is Susan. I think we've had another thing like this morning. But what is the correct number, Susan? Three nine eight. It's three nine eight. Is the I'm confusing myself. Uh, it's three hundred and ninety eight. Is our final hymn, uh, a hymn which expresses the attitude we should have um, towards God, despite our sins. Number 398, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. So let's sing this hymn now in closing, 398.